0: Can we just stand on our feet right now and raise our hands? If you believe that you serve a holy God, come on all over this room. If you believe that you serve a holy God, can we just give them an expression of praise here tonight on this Wednesday night? Can we let something come out of the innermost part of our being? Let it be expressed in our voices today. Hallelujah, Lord, you are holy, you are mighty, you are wondrous, oh God, there is none like you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, oh Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your presence. Hallelujah. Can we just take a moment right now? I know that it's been a busy day. Can we just kind of relieve just mentally, emotionally, spiritually, Lord, just, just decompress us from this day. The the chaos of today and the worry of tomorrow, Lord. And just for a few moments, Lord, could we just be an instrument of worship? Amen. I believe he's worthy of all of our praise. I said, I believe he's worthy of all of our praise. There's none like him. He sets upon his... His throne room is the heavens. The earth is his footstool. John said, when I saw him on the Isle of Patmos, I fell at his feet as dead. I wonder if we could get a glimpse of the glory of that God tonight. Ah, I believe he's in this room right now. Hallelujah. Come on, one more time. Just let's, let's raise our hands. All our hands as raised today is an act of surrender. Lord, we surrender to you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be sons and daughters, that there is none like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you feel that? I don't want us to take that for granted. You feel that peace? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But I feel the tangible expression of God's grace in this house. And as I say to you constantly, where his presence is, his power is. I know it's Wednesday night, but somebody could walk away with a miracle tonight. Somebody could walk away with an answer to prayer tonight. I believe that. As you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. My name is David Grigsby. If I have not met you, I would love to meet you. Thankful to be here tonight on behalf of our pastor who's traveling back home tonight. We're lifting him up. Sister Neeland, they'll be back home for this weekend, and we're expecting God to do great things. Amen. I've had a couple people come to me and tell me about miracles that God has already done. I believe that Christmas is a miracle season. I said, I believe that Christmas is a miracle season. And I wonder if we sometimes are the miracle that someone else needs. Amen. That God would love to work through you. You know, it's amazing. Sister Debbie is that as God works through us to provide for other people, he's working on our behalf to provide for us. Amen. I just I love that. I love that about the Lord. I'm thankful for him and his presence. Amen. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Very familiar. It's the Christmas text. But while you turn there, I want to go 600 years before that. Isaiah seven fourteen, where I ended a couple of weeks ago. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name. Emmanuel. Everybody say, Emmanuel. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was mindful to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. So all this was done that might be fulfilled. That which was spoken by the Lord. Through the prophet Isaiah saying. Behold the virgin shall be with the child and bear a son. Now shall call his name Emmanuel. Which is translated what? God with us one word in the original has to be translated into three words in the English for us to get the understanding of what God's trying to say to us and that's what I want to try to talk to you I'm gonna do my best to teach but I may wind up preaching I don't know because I feel this strongly in my spirit God with us say that again God with us Lord speak to us tonight Let your words and thoughts become my words and thoughts. Strike our hearts with revelation. Let us walk away from this building tonight understanding exactly who you are and why you've come in Jesus' name. If you're thankful for that understanding, could you put your hands together one more time before you're seated? Over 2,000 years ago, Emmanuel came wrapped in the frailty of of our humanity prophetic promises fulfilled but as we celebrate his first coming to Bethlehem's swaddling clothes we also worship in anticipation that he is going to return again and this time he will not come as a baby wrapped in a manger but he will come as king of kings and lord of lords victory in his hand What if this Christmas season we allowed the gratitude of grace to usher us into the wonder of worship, the wonder of his coming, past and future, I worship at the wonder of my sin's debt that has been canceled. I worship because of mercy divine, wrath has been satisfied. I worship because his righteousness has been imparted to me. I worship because I have a promise of a kingdom, not just today, but tomorrow. But most of all, ladies and gentlemen, on this Wednesday night, on this today, I I worship because... Matthew 123 fulfills Isaiah 7:14. God with us. God with us us Emmanuel one word rich with meaning and revelation some would ask could we take and have a whole message on one word I would dare say that we could spend a lifetime on this one word John Wesley the great Methodist theologian of the 1700s died with these words upon his lips the best of all is this God with us. I wonder if Wesley would die, if could Wesley could die with that upon his lips, uh, that we could live with that upon our hearts uh, during this season of Christmas and make it a matter of worship. This one word, Emmanuel, but three words for us. God, everybody say God. With, everybody say with us. Tonight, I want to do, uh, hopefully, a very carefully examination of these three words, not just together, but individually. First of all, I can worship because Jesus is God. I said, I can worship because Jesus is God. This is the simplest and truest meaning of Christmas, uh, that the creator God and the king of the universe uh, has become a human being. Uh, Everything else is secondary, uh, peace on earth, goodwill to men, uh, joy to the world, and and all of those other things that I love to sing about, Uh, but all of those things flow out of this understanding uh, that God, the God of the universe, uh, the God who cannot be seen, uh, and maybe even even... understood I took up residence in the human flesh the scripture cannot resist this narrative uh, and this truth Uh, here is the first place in the New Testament uh, that the the fathers of the church put this into the text, the canonization uh, of this text, this is the first place um, that we see Jesus introduced into the New Testament and Matthew quickly makes this declaration uh, of the deity of Jesus Christ Uh, the Old Testament prophecies uh, there are over 300 prophecies uh, that Jesus Jesus alone came uh, and fulfilled. It is mathematically impossible uh, for one man to fulfill uh, over 300 prophecies. Uh, But yet the New Testament reveals to us uh, on a continuous basis uh, that Jesus is in fact uh, this God in flesh. Uh, He is both God uh, and he is both man. Uh, He is human uh, and he is divine. I know that it seems like we talk about this a lot. But let me tell you something. There is no way to look at the Christmas story without looking at this first. In fact, nothing about Christianity makes sense if we do not first get this revelation that God became flesh. John would start this way. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us Peter would rise up and tell the church in the book of Acts that God has purchased us with his own blood whose blood the blood of Jesus this incarnate God in the flesh now the issue is not just that Jesus claimed to be God, but that his Jewish followers uh, believe this as well. This is one of the most important proofs uh, of the deity of Jesus that there is. Uh, one of the most thought-provoking arguments and questions there is about Jesus and his original audience, his, his original audience, which was first century Jewish people. Why did they chose uh, to follow him and to worship him and even to die for him? Uh, why would this be a problem? Why would this be important? uh, And why would this be a problem? Uh, Any historian of Jewish religion would understand uh, that the last people in the entire world uh, that would ever believe in a human being who could become God uh, would be the first century Jews. Um, There are religions around them, Eastern religions, uh, that the concept of God in human flesh was not uncommon. Uh, The pantheists believed that there was a God force in the world uh, and that it could take on a human form. Uh, Of course, the Greeks and the Romans believed that their many gods uh, would interact with humanity and take on human attributes. Uh, even in the book of Acts, Paul and Barnabas were preaching uh, and the audience thought they were gods and attempted to worship them. Uh, but the Jewish person in this first century uh, audience had a very different view of god uh, they were not pantheists uh, and they were not polytheistic uh, in other words they only believed in one god they did not believe more than one god uh, they were monotheistic uh, they believed in the one god the one god of the bible uh, and at that time all they had was the old testament scripture uh, and the god of the bible was the uncreated creator uh, he had no beginning and he had no ending uh, He was infinitely transcending the entire universe. So the first century Jewish audience would be the very last people that God would come to in human flesh. What would lead these people to worship him and to believe in him as God? Not only that, these are people who are living with Jesus. Many of them on a daily basis. If I was going to convince somebody that I was God, I would definitely not start with my family. It's kind of hard to fool the people that you live with on an everyday basis that you're a perfect human being. What could have made many of these people believe that Jesus was God? The answer is that they must have seen a perfected glory that would come along with these claims. They must have seen a transcended personal greatness that matched the claims that this man was making. They must have seen that truth and love was combined. They must have seen something powerful yet tender about this man, Jesus. All of this they saw and they begin to realize that they were looking at the face of something greater uh, than just a human being in the face of Jesus. Uh, they had to reckon their facts with their theology. Uh, this man was more than just a great man. Uh, this man was more than just a great prophet uh, or a great teacher. Uh, this Nazarene had shown up uh, and he began to cast out demons. Uh, that means he had all authority over the spirit world. Uh, he stopped funerals and raised up the dead. Uh, That means he had all authority over life and death. He stepped out into the bow of a ship and said, peace be still. And the waves laid down and the wind ceased. That means he had all control over creation. He took mud and made eyeballs. He cleared leprous sin and he turned water into wine. He must be who he says he is. There must be something more to this man, Jesus. Either that or he is a good liar or he's crazy. But as incredible as this claim is, he must be God with us. And not only did they believe in him, but they were willing to die for what they believed. And many of them, including all of his disciples, all of his disciples had an opportunity to turn their back on Jesus, uh, to testify against him and say, no, it's a fraud, I'll save my life. Uh, But they all went to their death saying, no, uh, this is more than just a man. Uh, This is the Messiah. How many of us have wrestled with this? idea and this understanding so many times we who have this, and I'm preaching to a room full of mature believers. I understand that this morning. But so many times it's easy for us to ease into the Christmas season and ease out of the Christmas season. But let me tell you something. The one thing that I love about Christmas is it forces the whole world at least to pay attention to something different. They may just look at it as a manger scene and a nativity scene on somebody's front lawn. But let me tell you something ladies and gentlemen he's not just a baby on somebody's front line I said he's not just a baby on somebody's front line he is God manifest in the flesh one thing for sure, this explains the seemingly irritating exclusivity of Christianity. People's concept of of exclusivity comes from Christianity's demand that you worship Christ as Savior and Lord. Either Jesus is who he says he is, or as C.S. Lewis says, he's either a lunatic or a liar or Lord. But if he is Lord, he cannot not be worshiped. But it's it's Christmas that defines this seemingly exclusivity. Every other religion says that our founder is a good teacher. Morality and goodness is enough to reach God, they say. If you listen to the great teacher and live that way, you can find God. Morality and goodness is enough. Essentially, they're all saying the same thing. But Christianity comes along and says, no, that's not enough. In fact, your situation is so critical, your own goodness will never be good enough to get God. Your situation is so critical that God had to come in human form and die for you. And you either put your hope into that understanding or you will die in your sins. I know that sounds sharp. I know that. And I'm not meaning to be sharp. And I'm not meaning to be crass. But let me tell you something. It's just that We could not save ourselves. It sounds like it's exclusive. It sounds like it's narrow-mindedness, but no, it's actually not. It's just a radically different diagnosis of the problem. Suppose you were sick and you'd gone to several doctors and they said, all you need to do is rest and drink lots of fluids and everything will be fine. And another doctor comes along and says, hold on, there's something more serious here. In fact, these other doctors are wrong and you, have, you are terminal unless you take this particular medicine. What would you say? Well, I don't want to hear that because that's narrow-minded. Actually, it's being narrow-minded if you believe that all of these other doctors are not wrong. But most people wouldn't say that if they knew that there was a chance that their life hung in the balance. Most of us would say, you're either right or you're wrong, but I probably should find out if you're right. Every other religion says that morality and goodness is enough. But Christianity says, no, it's not enough. In other words, your situation is too critical. Haven't you lived long enough? To see that all in all of your goodness, your best is still not good enough when it comes to saving yourself. Wouldn't you and I rather rest in the Jesus' perfected work of redemption on the cross? The cure that you and I need is much more radical than we think. We don't just need teaching or a good teacher or a good philosopher or a good No, we need the God of the universe who would say, I will come and I will enter into the human race because your sin needs a savior. This is why living for him demands our complete and total allegiance to him. If Christmas is right, then everything else about Christianity makes sense. The miracles, the claims, the need, not just for good works, but complete allegiance to Jesus. But if Christmas is wrong, everything about Christianity falls apart. But the truth about Christmas swings on this hinge. God with us. Not only is Jesus God, but God is with. Everybody say with. He has put himself in a form. And I know this is not good English, but it's a good theology. He has put himself in a form of withness. What do you mean by that, David? In other words, God has come alongside of us. That's literally the meaning of Jesus, the name of Jesus, which is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew name, Jehoshua. In other words, the Lord has come alongside to help. The Lord has come alongside to save. You see, there is a difference between having a general experience of God and being with God. So you can know a lot about God and not have an experience with God. I'm amazed at great theologians, people who I utmostly have great respect for, read their books, listen to their lectures, but will still tell you that the days of the miraculous are over. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not the truth. I said, that is not the truth. I want you to hear me on this Wednesday night. If God came down and he is with us, and now we know he's living on the inside of us through the power of the Holy Ghost, then the same God of the Old Testament and the New Testament is the same God that we serve today. So you can know about God and not have an experience with God. I know a lot of people that, quote, unquote, give their lives to the Lord and make a confession of faith, but they still have never had an experience with God. Let me tell you something. There's been days in my life when I've literally come to myself drunk in the Holy Ghost, knowing that I've been in the presence of Almighty God. There's been days in my life when I'm at the end of my rope wanting to throw in the towel in the presence of Almighty God. Will step into that space and that room and remind me that I'm a child of God, that He's paid the price for my salvation. That's the experience that I'm talking about. I said, that's the experience that I'm talking about. I still believe that that same God that stood on the precipice of nothing in the beginning of Genesis and said, let there be, can stand in the middle of your nothing and speak, let there be into your life and creation and power and glory will come forth. God has come alongside to help us. Why? Because we could not help ourselves. I know that we want to help ourselves. In Texas, we have a saying, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Right? And we want to do that in our relationship with God. But let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. We were in a place of lostness that we couldn't even find our way out. You didn't find God. God found you. I said, you didn't find God. God found you. You were in a place where you couldn't even see and understand that there was a God. But grace sent its light into the darkness of your sin-filled life and said, I've paid the price for your salvation. I've paid the price for your deliverance. I've paid the price for your addiction to be broken. I've paid the price for the restoration of your family and your health and your finances why all because god is what with us are you hearing me he appears like a every time that god shows up isn't it amazing that every time that god shows up almost every time that god shows up it's a terrifying thing to the human being that he shows up with he appears like a whirlwind a tornado to job a smoking furnace Moving through the air to Abraham, to Moses, to Israel. He was a thundering cloud over Sinai, a pillar of fire in the wilderness in Solomon's temple. When they prayed and dedicated the temple, his glory was so powerful. His presence was so overwhelming that the priests fell back. Every time God shows up until this point, God is overwhelming. So here is the point. It's one thing to have a religious experience and a knowledge about God, but it's another to have a personal, intimate relationship and encounter with God. Right. Yesterday morning, while I was studying, I just, my wife and son were gone, and I just worshiped. I began to walk the house. And I began to worship. I came out of my office and I began to worship. And I began to thank the Lord for everything that he had done for me because he had come down. Oh come, oh come Emmanuel. And I sung it over and over and I'm a horrible singer but the Lord said I could make a a, a great noise unto him. And so that's exactly what I did. I I walked around the house and I made a great noise. I didn't have this wonderful worship team and this band up here backing me out but I had tears in my eyes and I said, Lord, I, I thank you that you came down. I thank you that you came down. If nobody else is thankful this Christmas, I'm thankful that you came down. You came down to receive me. You came down to redeem me. You came down to restore me. You came down and found me when I couldn't even find myself. You came down when I was at the end of my life and at the end of my rope and you did not leave me in that place. And it all happened because you came and you are with us. God with us. There's a lot of people that go to church and know about him, but they've never met him. Some people have been in the presence of God and still never met him face to face. Up until this time, That Jesus showed up to get into the presence of God was terrifying. Moses wanted to see him. And the presence of God was so terrifying and so holy. That he had to cover the face of Moses. Even when Moses just saw the hinder parts of God. And he came down off of Mount Sinai. The Bible says that his face was so changed. His face was so changed with this encounter with God. That they had to cover his face. What if Moses was here tonight and could hear The gospel message of Christmas. Hear me very carefully. And Christ became flesh, human carnate, and tabernacled among us. The Amplified Version says of John 1.14, and we saw his glory. The glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. What if he heard the message of Christmas in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where Paul talks about Moses' face being covered but now we have a new revelation and understanding and Paul would write to the Corinthians that the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God for what we proclaim is not of ourself but Jesus Christ our Lord and he says for God who said let light shine out of darkness has now what? Shown into our hearts and given us the light. What is that revelation? Revelation. I said revelation of, of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you hear that tonight? The light of the gospel of glory of Christ who is the image of God has shone into our hearts and given us the revelation of the glory of God. And now we see God face to face. Why does the glory of God shine through the face of Christ? Because Jesus is the incarnate God manifest in the flesh. I know I'm preaching to a room of full, mature, full believers here today that have heard this message of the incarnation of God many times over. But ladies and gentlemen, let it never get old to us. Why? Our salvation is a result of his incarnation. I said our salvation is a result of his incarnation and the showing forth of his glory. This means that through Jesus Christ we can have an encounter with God without being afraid or being filled with terror. Why? Because Jesus was the perfect substitute that absorbed the wrath of God that was against my sin. There is no way that you and I could stand even on our best day in the presence of a holy perfect God. It would be terrifying. We would melt. We would be like John. We would fall at his feet and probably be consumed with fire. And I know that there are a lot of people that think that God is just a little old grandpa hanging out in the corner of heaven on a cloud. But that's not the righteousness of God that requires a payment for your sins. So Jesus had to come and bridge the abyss that sin had created between us and God. And that's why my goodness is not good enough. My self-righteous is not righteous enough. You and I needed the perfected goodness and the imputed righteousness of someone who is greater and more perfect. That's why we must see that God is with us can be saved by general knowledge of faith, you must have an encounter with God, this God made flesh, uh, this Jesus Christ. Hear me very carefully. So in Bethlehem's manger, we see God like we've never seen Him before to this point in the entirety of Scripture. He comes as a baby. Suddenly, here is God, the God of the universe that can be held in the hands Of a mother and a father. Why is this important? Because God is saying that the ultimate understanding of the incarnation and the resulting salvation is the fact that we don't just get rescued, we get God. You missed it. You'll have to go back and buy the tape. We did not just get a salvation. We got a God we can hold in our hands. What does that mean? That means that I have the ability to have a relationship with God that I've never had before is God still powerful perfect and holy yes absolutely I am saying all of that but what he's saying is that he reduced himself Paul told the Philippians that he emptied himself of all authority and power and he descended into humanity why so that he could set us free the godness of him did not separate itself ladies and gentlemen he did not stop being God when he went into that manger no he was both God and man I said he was both God and man. Why? Because you and I needed a perfect substitute for our sin. So he had to be human to die for our sin. But his imputed and perfect righteousness came to us by his death on the cross. So his humanity and his deity all was residing in this boy in the manger. See, I'm trying to preach this and I just need to teach this. This knowledge, this awareness should produce in us a wonder of adoration and awe of worship. The God of the universe has come down. I said the God of the universe has come down and taken up residence among us. What would happen if Christmas became more than just a Christmas card? If we could get back to the simplicity and the awe of God with us. What if our worship was based simply on who he is, not what he can do? What if our worship over the next couple of weeks could be simply about who he is and what he has already done? Simply because of his character and his strength, because of his righteousness and justice. Not only is God with us, but God is with us. See, Jesus is God. God is with us. God is with us. Think about who gets invited to the first Christmas. I talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago. The shepherds, and then later, ultimately, the wise men, the magi. So, who gets the invitation? Hear me very carefully. The humble and the worshiper. Who gets the first invitation to the birthday party? The humble and the worshiper. Notice that the religious and the royal don't get an invitation. In fact, it's the religious and the royal that tried to destroy him. So he announces his arrival to shepherds before anything else. I find it interesting. I cannot prove this, so I'm going to step away from this. But I find it interesting that some scholars say that our view of the shepherds at Bethlehem are not correct. We look at those, those shepherds and we think, Brother Jason, that they were men of 30, 40 years old, taking care of the sheep, sitting out there with their great big beards and their staffs. And the angels showed up because that's how we've always seen it portrayed. Am I right? History tells us, extra biblical history, not Bible history, but extra biblical scholar history tells us that actually the old men were not immediately watching over the sheep, but teenage girls were there. So, it's interesting the fact that I'm just saying, just tossing this out. Again, this is extra biblical. I can't prove this biblically. Why would you bring this up, David? Because the first person who heard about the resurrection was a woman. And maybe the first person who heard about the birth of Jesus was a teenage girl. In a society where women couldn't even vote or testify at a trial because their voice did not count. It's interesting to me that God chose to show up the way that he showed up. Because if I was God and I was planning the event, I've planned a few events. If I was God and I was planning the event, I would show up in the middle of halftime at the Super Bowl. Maybe that's how he's coming back. I don't know. I'm just saying, that's how I would show up. If I was God, I'd at least show up in the middle of the city. Right, brother, at least middle, inside the city limits. That's not how God chose to show up. The people that got the invitation was the humblest and then the worshiper. Why? They came in amazement. They were amazed that they were the ones witnessing this scene in Bethlehem. I'm sure when they finally stepped around, see, we got this image that, You know, the inn had a nice comfy little room tucked away. No, that's not what happened. They stuck them outside with the animals, probably in a cave. And I wonder what it felt like for a shepherd to encounter thousands of angels and to step around the corner of that inn and see in their astonishment a little bitty baby, a savior who is Christ the Lord. I wonder how amazed and astonished that the wise men, men, brilliant men who had traveled probably most likely over 700 miles to get there, men who had been studying in the Far East as wise men and magicians, They served the kings. These wise men were the ones who served the kings. I I wonder what it was like when they opened the door and they saw this baby and they fell on their face and they worshiped him. When was the last time that you and I, ladies and gentlemen, were astonished at Christmas? Not over a gift, but because of our Savior. When was the last time that you really thought about The fact that God came to be with you. How does this apply to us today? And I'm closing. This is how it applies. First of all, if Jesus is indeed God with us, then some of us, many of us, have to tear down the limitations that we've made on him in our life. Some of us have problems, needs, habits, addictions, disorders, Hang-ups and all of these other things in our life and we have decided that that's the way that life is always going to be if he is the one who indeed spoke the universe into existence spoke this earth into formation with just his voice do you think that whatever is overwhelming you right now in your life is too big for him see we have to get rid of this cynicism we have this cynicism of faith in our life. It's like a low-grade fever. And we wonder, God, can you do it for me? I really don't think. I've heard stories. I've seen you do a couple things, but this thing that is so overwhelming to me, I, I just don't know if you'll ever do it. You've got to take that thinking and put it at the foot of the manger and say, if you are the God of the universe and you came to save us and to be with us, then there's nothing that is impossible for you. Amen? Amen. How many of you are struggling with something right now in your life or your family that you need God to fix? Could you just stand all over this building? Everybody stand. I'm done. You'll make it to McDonald's by 8 o'clock. Praise God. How many of you facing something right now that you need God to move in? Only God can move in. We have to strip away our expectation, our mindset, our wrong thinking about God. This God of the universe. Think about it. Did He cease to be, be God? No, He did not cease to be God. But he came, he came that he could be with us and he is for us. Secondly, Christmas, if this, is, this story is true, then Christmas is about more than getting gifts. It's about getting closer to God. I want to encourage you of the next couple weeks. If you already haven't done it, I wanna encourage you, take time out every day and spend time with the Lord and dwell spiritually. Don't check your bank statement. Don't check your credit card statement. I'm talking about dwelling spiritually, deeply on the fact that Jesus has come to us. Take time, do a devotion. Parents, do worship with your children. A lot of churches in traditional settings and fam- in, in, in even in my personal family, my, me and my wife, people still practice the idea of Advent. That's an old term. A lot of people don't understand that. That just literally means anticipation. What does that mean? That means I'm worshiping for the fact that he came the first time and I stand in anticipation that he's soon to return the second time. And during that season of Advent, four weeks leading up to Christmas... It's a worshipful reminder of God with us. So Christmas has to be more than just gifts and trees and Christmas carols. I love all of that. I'm I'm a Christmas fanatic. I promise you. I'm all in. I promise you. I've got a Santa hat. I'm all in. I'm ready. Okay? But that's not all of it. That's not even hardly any of it. What I preach to you tonight is it God with us. That leads me to my last point. If this Christmas story is true, if Jesus is indeed God, then our lukewarm and apathetic response to him is not acceptable. What does pastor say to us all the time? He's not here for cute church. That's what he's really saying. No other response is rational. If we see him for who he says he is. One of my favorite authors and theologians and pastors says this, and I'm going to paraphrase it to one statement. There are only three reactions to Jesus in the Bible. They either hated him or wanted to kill him. They were afraid of him and wanted to run away. Or they were absolutely smitten with him. And they wanted to worship him and give their lives to him. What's our response this Christmas? If we're going to have a deep relationship with God, we've got to see him as God with us. I believe that the fact that God is with us means that God is still in the miracle working business. How many of you need an answer to prayer right now during the Christmas season? Could you just take two minutes and step out around the front of this building? We're going to pray for you. You need a miracle? Not even a miracle. How many of you just need an answer to prayer? Could you just step out? Prayer team, elders, come help us. I want to share something. I I debated on whether to share this with you, but I just want to build your faith. This year has been a tough year for the Grigsbys. Don't want to say too much but because I want to be faith-filled today. When you fall, break your leg, have surgery, you people in this room have been through that, right? Go through losing a job, making a transition, all of those things. My wife had to stop working, take care of me. Alex is at home during the summer. He has to have care. I'm on my back recovering as all of you know you've been through this journey with us for several months Sister Danette, I've been praying a very specific prayer I said Lord I don't know how we got here I'm talking about financially because I feel like you're with us and if you'll just help me with this amount it'll lease Sister June put my nose above the waterline. Can anybody testify to that? Am I talking to some real people here tonight? You with me? I prayed it. I prayed. It, I, I confessed. I prayed it every, every day. Confessed it. It became a joke in our family. My wife would say, "I'm going to get the mail." The answer is in the mail. A friend of mine who I've done work with for a couple years called me, and she and we talked about a, a thing that we were project that we were working on and she said by the way she says why haven't you charged me such and such for this amount of months and I said because we're friends I'm not going to charge you that she said is this what you did and this is all the work that you did for this and I said yes ma'am it is and she said you know what I want you to do I want you to go all the way back to April and I want you to reinvoice me every single month and turn it in And this month, I want you to invoice me correctly and turn it in. I started doing the math in my head. Praise God. At Christmas time, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Am I I talking to some real people who got some real problems? I'm trying to build your faith here. My wife, I'm I'm on the speakerphone. My wife's on the other side of the room. She's weeping because she's already done the math. And to the penny, that I've been praying for come on somebody I said to the penny that I've been praying for she said turn it in and I'm sending it on invoice me for the whole from all the way from April to December and to the penny that I had prayed for Sister Danette that's what I went to that office and I picked up I'm going to tell you something I still believe that God is with me us i shared that i I share that in all honesty and humility just to build your faith we had nothing to do with my faith i promise you because my faith obviously wasn't working very well for months brother sam i'd make that my prayer i mean to the penny that's what i'd ask for and that's what the lord provided I believe that that same God is working on your behalf right now. Could you just reach over, put your hand on somebody's shoulder that's standing next to you? Could we believe that in this season, the God of the universe that is with us is going to show up and be so miraculous? We've got about 15 days to the end of the month, to the end of this year. I wonder if we could believe pastors already preached to us about restoration God is restoring I believe that God's already doing it he's restoring finances he's restoring families, he's restoring health, he's moving in our community, come on let's pray for somebody right now, pray for them like you want them to pray for you for your miracle Lord we release it right now you are the God that is with us you're the God that's come to fight for us, you're the God that's come to provide for us hallelujah come on god wants to give somebody a miracle tonight on a wednesday night i know it's wednesday night i know it's wednesday night but god wants to do a work in somebody's life i thank you for answered prayer during christmas of 2022 lord I thank you for answered prayer, Lord, before the end of this year, God. I thank you for children coming home. I thank you for marriages being fixed, oh Lord, and restored, restored, God. I thank you, Lord, for finances being restored, God. I thank you for it, Lord. If you've done it before, Lord, I know you can do it again. To you are all things. for oh, you deserve the glory. You are the Lord. Worthy of it all. Yes. yes. You're Is He worthy Lord. today of our praise You're of on this Wednesday night? Hallelujah. signs, wonders, and miracles, Lord, in this month. We thank you for signs, wonders, and miracles in this month. For from you are all things, and to you are all things, you deserve the glory. Thank you, Lord. Our understanding of you is so limited. I just pray for the real, the reality. Pastor Wednesday, Pastor Sunday, Pastor Tuesday prayer meeting, God, I just pray that the glory and the reality of what you've come to do would overwhelm us while we're at home, while we're driving, while we're at our jobs, Lord. Let us not look at a nativity scene the same again, but let us understand That you are indeed the God who has come to be with us. The God who has come to be with us. And since you've done that, you can do anything. Anything is possible with you. Anything is possible. Can you just say that right now? Anything is possible because of what you've already done and who you are. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Invite somebody to come be with you Sunday. We're going to celebrate and have a great time. We love you. Pastor and them will be back this weekend. Men, if you ordered and paid for a Manpower T-shirt, you can pick it up in the South Foyer. Uh, they're out there with the table. You can pick that up tonight. We love you. We'll see you this weekend.